Welcome to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. Here is your host, Daniel Meyer. Welcome back to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. Tonight we've got one of our Team Minnesota field staff on as our guest, along with our trip director, Jeff Carl, coming on as as a guest co-host. So tonight we've got Les Albert. Les is a veteran of the Marine Corps. Uh, he also did law enforcement and firefighting and moved up to Minnesota about two and a half years ago. And he's got a pretty amazing story about how he found, you know, hometown here outdoors and how he got involved with us. But first I'm going to let, let what Les introduce himself, you know, kind of go through, you know, where, where he grew up and what, what got him started in the outdoors and, you know, his, his passion for, for wanting to give back. So Les, Welcome to the show. We appreciate you having on. Well, thanks for having me. So I re- grew up in Illinois. Uh, got early into hunting with my with my father and everything like that. We did a lot of bird hunting mostly, um, a lot of dove hunting, pheasant hunting. <clears throat> Along those lines, was growing up, walking the fields on the farm. Um, was in the Marine Corps from '96 to 2000. Uh, right after I got out of the Marine Corps, I moved to uh, Henry County, Florida, which is right outside, or it's actually right in between Palm Beach and uh, Fort Myers. <coughs> Excuse me. As a deputy sheriff for Henry County, obviously. Did that for about th- two and a half to three years. Um, from a previous marriage, I had a child, so I was able to get uh, custody of him. I just had to move back to Illinois, so that's why I moved away from being a deputy sheriff. And moved back to Illinois and took on the family business of being a firefighter. So I got on a Paris Fire Department, the career department, and worked up. And then I was actually the um, kind of an acting captain. I was a senior, what they call the barn boss, the senior guy for the crew. So I filled in as captain quite a bit. And I was also the operations director for um, doing all the rescue when it came to grain bin rescue, uh, rope angle rescues, anything out of the ordinary type of rescues. Um, I also worked at the University of Illinois for the Fire Service Institute as an instructor for them for several years and decided it was time to move on. We wanted to start a new life and everything. I did my time in the fire service, so we moved up to Minnesota where we've been coming up here quite a bit of our lives on fishing trips and everything. So I got a job up here at U.S. Steel. Um, what I do now is I'm a production truck driver trainer. So I teach everybody how to drive the 250 and the 240 ton dump trucks. Um, I taught at the university, Masabi, or I shouldn't say university, but the Masabi colleges here, um, for, for quite some time until I got too busy with the U S steel. So I was on a paid department up, or I mean a part-time department or a paid on call department, however you want to look at it up here. Um, I'd be as chief there for a while. And then, like I said, I just did not have the time with the way my job was going. So I stepped down so somebody else could fill those shoes and uh, continue on. It's, uh, it sounds like you've done done quite a bit in your in your time, um, you know, kind of kind of backtracking here a little bit. Um, what what was it that drove you into into wanting to join the, the Marine Corps? And then what was your what was your job when you were in the Marines? Uh, when I, I wanted to join the Marine Corps because I wanted to become a man, I guess you could say. Um, when I got in, I was a military police officer. Um, I spent some time over in Okinawa. 
and then over to Cherry Point, North Carolina. Um, and then that's how I kind of found out about some of the law enforcement jobs that were down in uh, Florida and everything. That's why I went that direction right after the Marine Corps. Was well, was it a pretty easy transition going from you know the the military police side of things into into civilian law enforcement, or was it a, a pretty big learning curve or adjustment, if you will? Um, the structure was still there at that sheriff's office, which was awesome. Um, but the big learning curve was, you know, going from military law to civilian law. So I took a few classes and everything to learn all the different laws in Florida and there. So it was, it was a little bit of a challenge at first, you know, kind of stepping back from the way the military and how we operated the military to civilian law enforcement. Yeah, but still, you know, from, from my understanding, you know, with, with HHO, you know, the, the law enforcement side of things, you still kind of keep that camaraderie and, and sense of, of family when when you're in law enforcement. Yeah, when you're in law enforcement like that, you're definitely, everybody's still family, just like it was in the military. Um, you know, because your family, you got to have each other's back for almost everything. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, kind of, you know, you, you hear all the jokes about from, from law enforcement into the, the firefighters. Um, what, what was it that made you, made you want to do the switch from law enforcement back into firefighting? Was it, you know, just the fact of having to move, move back to Illinois to, to get custody of your kid and then the, the family history with it? Or was there, was there anything else? Um, growing up in it, uh, with my father and actually my, then my ex uh, wife's father also was a firefighter for some time too. Um, I got on to volunteer to fire, fire departments because I, you know, grew up in it and that's what I wanted. Um, and then when it was time to start a, some type of a life, that's when I left that and went to the Marine Corps. So when I had to move back for to help with my custody of my son and everything, that was it was kind of a no brainer. Once I got back, that's what I wanted to get back into. And then. Was there any, any you know, exciting memorable moments or anything like that that you remember that, that really stick out from, you know, all three of those things? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Marine Corps just being a Marine and just doing the things that we always did. That was, you know, it was definitely a learning experience and something I don't want to change, even though sometimes the times were bad. Uh, when then when I was in law enforcement, you know, transitioning over to the civilian world and then getting to interact with not just military people, but now I get to interact with a lot of civilians and, you know, seeing that they're thankful for what we were doing to help them. Uh, being on the SWAT team, you know, then we really had the, the same military command structure. Um, that was a pretty good feeling. And then um, as a firefighter, you know, just carrying on the family tradition for one, um, and then doing some of the things we did that we can say that, hey, we did this, we saved these people's lives, you know, we saved this this property, you know, just anything along those lines was always nice. You know, getting into where you saw saw the need to seek out an organization like Hometown Air Outdoors and try to try to get involved with that. What what was that drove you to I believe you, you got online and you were searching like YouTube videos and stuff like that. What, what is it that led, led to that? Well, I was actually kind of, I was in a dark place at that time. I was having a lot of nightmares, um, a lot of night terrors, however you want to call it. 
a lot of anxiety. Um, I was missing a lot of things that I don't have that structure like I used to, I guess. And uh, I mean, even though I do something that's a uh, pretty serious when it comes to safety and everything at work, it just wasn't the same. So at that point, I was actually kind of seeking out, trying to find something to kind of fulfill that void. I was having issues, like I said, with sleeping and stuff. And it got to the point where I was having these nightmares or night terrors almost almost every night. And as my wife would shake me to wake me up and everything. And I I would, didn't even recognize her. I didn't know what they hope or where I was at or what was going on. Um, so then I knew it was some, time to do something. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I started looking on YouTube just because like I thought, I thought I was missing it more than anything. So I was watching fire videos. I was watching law enforcement videos. I was watching military videos. Uh, just anything that could kind of, I guess, kind of capture my attention at the time. And then um, scrolling through one night, I seen a picture on for the video there that had uh, a picture of a sturgeon on it. And it was talking about ice fishing for sturgeon. I thought that was kind of neat because I've never, never even heard of that before. So I clicked on it and then I realized it was actually hometown hero outdoors video. So then I believe it was Chris, one of your guys' staff was talking about what you guys were doing and everything. And, you know, they had little outtakes or of, uh, all the guys talking and I learned that it was all law enforcement military and I thought that was pretty neat. Um, so as soon as that video was done, I actually started, I Googled you guys to find out more about you. Um, and then I realized that you had a Facebook page. So I got on Facebook and researched you guys some more and realized that we could actually go on fishing trips and hunting trips with, as a group. So I signed up and uh, the first trip I went on was a Lake of the Woods trip. And I mean, it was great. I mean, instantly you're kind of greeted with open arms, I guess you'd kind of say, you know, everybody was friendly, everybody talked to each other. Um, and then after that trip, I'd actually went over to, uh, I don't know, um, oh, Devil's Lake, that was what it was, Devil's Lake, and actually Jeff was there. And I kind of paid more attention to what was going on as a group than just being like when I went to Lake of the Woods, it was just, I talked to people that was, had the same similar, you know, experiences I had. And then when I went over there to the Devil's Lake one, it was realizing how organized everybody was. Um, we made things happen. Even when the fish weren't biting, we talked, we had good times. Um, and then when I came back from that, I kind of realized that, you know, I would like to be part of this, you know, just so I can help out, do my part. I was always involved in the community with law enforcement and uh, with the fire service also. And I haven't been doing that up here. So I was like, well, maybe that will help me too. So then I kind of reached out and you guys uh, finally picked me up and here I am. So it's been, it's been challenging, not in a good, in a bad way. It's just, I'm up here on the North range by myself. So uh, learn how to talk to people as helping get the help out there so we can do these trips and the works. Um, that's been kind of a challenge up here, but it's, it's turned around. It's I'm doing pretty well now. And yeah, then just definitely. getting these guys out, putting a smile on their face. You know, if we're actually successful at the hunt or the fish trip, that's, that's even more of a bonus. And then meeting all these new people that have the same experience as I do. And it's been great. It really has. Yeah. And then, you know, going back to the, there, there's one thing that you said that stuck out, you know, kind of why, 
or how you found HHO by, by going on YouTube. Um, for, first off, it's, it's awesome that, that the word word spreads like that. Um, and you, you didn't know anything about us and then found, found the hometown air outdoors sturgeon, sturgeon trip. Um, but then also, you know, there's, there's a ton of people that that'll do, do like what you were doing where they all, you know, feel like they're, they're missing what it, whatever experience it was and then start, start watching the, the videos about it. You know, I think, especially for, for the people that have deployed. And then there's tons of, tons of videos about the law enforcement and firefighter stuff, you know, going on and finding those videos that kind of brings them back to, to that, that time that, you know, even though that's, that's a time that's making them struggle and giving them some of the, these issues that they deal with, it, it gives you a short period of, you know, relief and excitement, you know, kind of get the, get the adrenaline going again. in in my experience anyways, um, and it seems like every time I do that, it, you know, while the, you know, the short five minute clip happens feeling good. And then afterward, just like, fuck, man, this stuff kind of sucks. <laughs> and then, and then you just try to try to find the next thing. Um, and a lot of times, you know, from, you know, myself and then people that I know that that's kind of where you get led into, into doing the things that aren't so healthy, like, you know, drinking too much or, whatever the case may be. Um, and then you being able to find the, the video of, you know, sturgeon fishing and people coming together talking about, you know, their, their time and service and just building that camaraderie, um, is, is super advantageous to, I think anyone, even people that don't like the outdoors much, you know, just being able to get out and experience the outdoors with people that have gone through similar experiences. Um, and then was the was the Lake of the Woods trip that you went on the the big ice castle one that they that we do every what February ish March time frame? Yes, sir. That, that, was that trip the one. Is, is is a blast, and you know it's, most of the time on that one you don't really catch the most fish, but it's definitely always a good time, kind of just bouncing back and forth between between ice houses, talking yep. with everyone, and then, yeah, I thought that was a pretty good trip just because. You know, we did fish a little bit when we first got there, but then it was going around talking to everybody. You know, we had our little introduction where they did a little bit of the raffles, you know, and of course you guys always cook for us and everything, but went back to the ice castle after I was done talking with a bunch of people and just kind of thinking I was going to settle in for the night. And then I started hearing music and I poked my head out the door and everything. And now we're playing karaoke out there on the ice. So <laughs> thought that was pretty neat too. There's always, we're always doing something. Yeah, and then the the Devil's Lake trip. Since we've got Jeff on here, um, let's let's talk about you know, kind of how how that trip went and how the how the fishing was. What what you guys what you guys targeted was was it ice fishing that you did? Yeah, it was ice fishing. All right, let's yeah let's let's talk about this trip, Jeff. When 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 did you guys when did you guys have this trip? If if you remember, that would have been late February or March of. 19 had to have been 19. Yeah, this year you caught your uh, big 30 incher. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that, was, that, that, was, that was that trip. That was that trip. Oh, yeah. That was my first because uh, that that Devil's Lake trip had turned into an annual thing, and then COVID put a hamper on that. Um, but yeah, Les was on the inaugural trip. Um, I remember Les well from that trip. Just I mean, I remember a lot of people from that trip, but 
Les is that quiet, stoic, I'm just going to sit back here and watch everybody for a while kind of thing. And I'm glad I put them, I mean, I I, I strategically placed everybody around uh, in which house they were going to be in, and I put them with Tyler, I believe, didn't I? Yes, sir. Yep, Tyler. So Tyler isn't a Marine, but was Jimmy in there with you too? No, it was uh, Chad Vesey, I think it was. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Um, but Tyler is also in law enforcement, so I thought maybe right. you guys would get along. And we did, with no problems. Yep. But, yeah, we yeah, talked about old stories from both sides of the house when it came to that, so it was good. <laughs> did you have a good old uh, infant, uh, Army infantry versus Marine banter? Well, there's a little bit of talking about crayon eating in there for a while. <laughs> yeah. There, there's always well, going to be some of that. That was a fun trip. And, uh, yeah, when I found out, when I heard that you got on staff in Minnesota, I was pretty excited. Thanks. So, so that, that trip, I mean, we didn't catch a lot of fish. We caught some. We didn't get skunked. Nope. But we went out and, you know, they weren't fighting at the houses that day, so... We went out looking for him, and that and that trip's one of the one of the smaller or medium sized trips, right? If if I remember correctly, yeah, I think we get maybe ten to twelve people out. Yeah, so I like to get it bigger. It's not. Uh, I got a little spoiler alert. I don't know if it's going to be on Devil's Lake this year or not. So everyone, stand by for that that news. Um, with with your experience, last you know the the first first two trips that you ever went on, uh, you know one being definitely one of the largest trips that HHO hosts to, you know, one of the, you know, certainly scaled down quite a bit from the, the 75 ish people that are on Lake of the woods camped out for the weekend to the, the 10 to 12 on that devil's Lake trip. What was there any like differences that you noticed between like how everyone interacted with that, that smaller group? You know, truthfully, I, we kind of interacted the same. We were just, whether you're a large group or a small group, and even since I've been hosting some of these trips, it really doesn't matter how big of a group we are besides logistics. Um, But as a smaller group, we still talk and a large group, we still talk. We still have a lot of fun together. And, you know, like I said, the only real difference is logistics of what we got to do for preparing and, you know, anything from food to whatever else. But I have not been on a trip of anything or even hosted a trip that it's, it's been remotely, you know, kind of like where nobody wants to talk. I mean, just everybody wants to talk and have a good time together. And we kind of pull together and, you know, make the, like the uh, Grand Ray trip I had this year. We lost out on the uh, Lake Superior fishing trip because of the weather. Well, we were as a group there, like, all right, what do we want to do? And we all came together and I said, well, I've got some Second Amendment here with me. And I said, I know Jordy, one of the guys that was hosting it from up on that side that was helping us out. And we said, heck yeah. And we all went to you know, a corral or a quarry and started shooting it up all day long. So we always make the best of it if, even if something comes out. So I, that's one thing I love about this is some places kind of give up on certain things and we turn around and, you know, we overcome and adapt. So Yeah. I, I think there's, there, there's a quote in the, in the article that was, that was posted about the, the fundraiser up, up in sawmill um, or at, at the sawmill that mm-hmm. you said it's like it's like being a teacher of a bunch of um, like third graders or you know one one of those yep. those younger ages where 
once they get going, there's there's no no stopping the the talking. Um, That's right. Yeah, it's like which life's a school teacher. I used to teach all the time as an instructor and. With the little kids, you know, second grade, third grade, you can't get them to be quiet. And that's exactly the way our trips are. And that's yeah. a good. So. And it's, you know, usually, you know, from from the trips that I've been on and then, you know, hearing about the trips, you know, so, sometimes it takes takes a little bit for everyone to kind of like warm up. You know, there, there's always the, mm-hmm. the one or two in the group that from from the first second that they meet, you know, talking nonstop. But then there it seems like there's always maybe a couple that that take a little bit to get warmed up to meet new people and, you know, talking about everything under the sun, but it, it happens true. every, every time that by, by the end of the trip, everyone's, everyone's pretty close friends and able to stay connected. Even if they're not, not talking about, you know, the, the experiences that they've gone through, you know, just everyday life stuff. Yeah, definitely. They talk about anything and everything. And then, you know, you, you talked about the, the logistics side of things, you know, as, as a, a, not really a new staff, but, you know, one, one of the field staff that, that does quite a bit for, for trips and events and stuff. Um, how, how is it with, you know, in your experience trying to, trying to coordinate these, you know, we, we haven't really talked much about the, the steps that go into, into planning these. And it's great that Jeff's on here as well, you know, as, as a trip director, um, because, the end result is, is really the only thing that other people see is just, Hey, here's some photos or a video that that's well produced and here's what, what happened, but they never see behind the curtains of these are the, the hundreds of things that happen prior to the trip even being posted either on the website or on the Facebook page. Right. Well, first you kind of figure out which kind of a trip you want to do. You know, then it's if you're doing it just yourself, that's kind of makes it kind of easier for the most part. But if you're using somebody, um, well, like take Jordy Kirk up in uh, Grand Marais, for example, where we can borrow his cabin anytime we want. Um, so then, you know, figuring out the best dates that work with everything, you know, not trying to put trips on the same time as other HHO members are doing or staff members are doing. Um, once you get past that point, then it's what's the cost. You know, what do we got to put into it food-wise, the works? Um, and then that's when we get to write it up on the forums and send it all to Jeff. So Jeff can do his part and saying yay or nay. You know, we always, you know, we're nonprofit, so obviously we don't have a everyday source of income coming in. With everything's done by fundraisers and donations and sponsorships. So, you know, we try to make it as feasible as possible, as low cost as it is for us. Uh and then once we get that done, then that's given the okay. Then it's time to put it on Facebook and the web page of saying, you know, this is what trip we have, the times and dates and how many people will accept, you know, give them that, uh, that code word, whatever it may be to, so they'll sign up for it and then it, give it some time. And when you decide it's time to, uh, randomize some names and everything to see who goes on the trip, uh, that's get that going and pick your people, pick a couple alternatives. And then sometimes that can be a little bit of a a pain sometimes, not just because, you know, people just drop out, but everything is life. Things happen. So people have to pull out at the last minute. So that's why we have that alternative list and we can go from there. So, yeah. And then, you know, once, once those trip requests get submitted, 
to Jeff. Um, you know, very, very rarely is there, is there a trip request or a trip that we say, that we say no to. Um, right. But Jeff, Jeff certainly gets bombarded with questions about, <laughs> about a lot of the trips. Um, it's probably, it's probably, you know, at some point he probably gets annoyed with, with all the questions that we ask. No, that's, like that's, the, that's the same gig, ones over right? and over again. That's part of the gig. And, and yeah, I, I don't, I'm not the one that says yes or no. I just make sure that all the information's there. And then I present it to the board as uh, this is what X state wants to do. This is the cost. This is the, you know, it really comes down to a, like, when you look at the financial side of things, it comes down to a per person average and what we can get, you know, one specific person out for, or not one specific, like, so you got 10 guys. Well, how much does it cost per person, right? Or 10 people. So it's not just me all the time. <laughs> and then also, you know, like, like you brought up with the, that trip up in, up on the North shore um, where you had to make that, that last minute adjustment, you know, being able to, being able to think on your feet and come up with that. So that way, cause I believe that that was that with the one after the, uh, Jeep, Jeep ride. Yeah. Or that was, was a Memorial Day weekend ride. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you did, did the Jeep ride and then was expecting to get out on superior and obviously couldn't happen because of weather. And then, you know, even if you didn't have, have the guns with you to get out and do something else, you know, being able to just think on your feet that quickly, um, to make sure that everyone that, you know, probably drove a little ways to get there was, was going to have a good time yeah, sure. for the, the whole time that they were supposed to be up there. Um, and also that way, you know, it's not, it's not wasting money on lodging or anything that if everyone just went home because you weren't able to come up with anything to do. Um, so amazing work there on that. And, you know, with, with all the, all the work that goes into, goes into being field staff, you know, it's, it's not always about, you know, for, for field staff and everyone that volunteers with the organization, you know, it's not about, you know, getting out and the hunting and the fishing. Um, it's about allowing other people to experience that, um, through, through everything, you know, is there without naming name, any names or anything, is there, is there any trips that you've hosted or, or that you've even, you know, been on to help as field staff or, the, the ones that you went on before you came, became field staff. Is there, is there any stories that you have or, you know, experiences that, that really stick out to you as like, here's, here's why I'm doing what, what I want, what I'm doing. Put, putting you on the spot with that one. I know. <laughs> Trying to think real quick. Uh, I don't know. The whole experience is what's been awesome about it. Um, I guess talking about the Devil's Lake trip a little bit, we were uh, not doing too hot, as Jeff was saying, fishing-wise there there at the beginning. And I was talking to Tyler and Chad that was in the same ice castle I was in. And I told them, I said, well, I said, if you're up for it, I said, we'll go hole hopping the next day. And they kind of looked at me like, hole hopping? You know, what the heck is that? I said, well, we're going to go out in a lot deeper water and we're going to start drilling holes until we find them. So <clears throat> kind of talked with a couple of the other guys. They're just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, the next morning we got up, we loaded up my truck and uh, everybody's like, what are you doing? We're going hole hopping. We're going to go try to find these fish. 
So then we went out. I think we got into about 30 foot of water and found a little ledge. And I said, all right, this is where we're going to fish. Drilled a couple holes. And as soon as I drilled a couple holes, Tyler started catching. He caught a couple of giant yellow perch just almost instantly. And then uh, Chad caught us. I don't know, like a 12 or 13 inch walleye. Well, then they started texting everybody. And then you kind of looked back at the, uh, all the ice castles we had back there and everybody started pouring out of them. Like it was, you know, like cockroaches coming out of everything, throwing stuff in their truck and the way they came out there. So, I mean, that was kind of neat, especially cause I, I had some really good teachers down here teaching me how to ice fish. Uh, so it was, that was kind of a nice experience of saying, Hey, you know, I actually did this. I did it right. You know, and we found the fish and that was great. In fact, I think Jeff ended up coming out a little bit later. Of course, he already had his big fish. Yeah, well, so there was a couple different groups that went out that day. You mm-hmm. guys went in the area you went, and then I took a group and we went north. Yep. Yeah, and you had a couple of guys with you guys that way. So and we were doing okay over there. And yes, I did happen to catch a giant walleye. That's <laughs> I'm never going to let you still, live it down. Still in my freezer. <laughs> still still haven't got that thing mounted no when's when's the wife gonna allow you to do that i'll, I'll let you know if that happens it's, <laughs> it's probably gonna end up being a replica at this point i mean those things aren't cheap to to mount so no not at all that's kind of what i'm waiting on so but yeah yeah that was a good time and just like Wes said we made it happen yeah Yep. And then yep. you you also did the did the assist training there in Minnesota, right? Yes. Les? I believe yes, Jeff, sir. Jeff Jeff, you went to that as well, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um what was your experience going through that training? Um and do do you feel like it was it was value added to not not only yourself but the as a as a tool that the organization has has available to it to it as well, other than just Hey, we get people into the outdoors and, you know, we can talk, you know, peer to peer with, with others, um, that, that assist training. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, well, I was more than happy to take the training. Uh, truthfully, when we first got the training, we started kind of talking about ourselves and some of our experiences. That was, that was pretty rough at first. Um, you know, bring back a lot of memories. I mean, I can speak for, I think everybody that went to that training, it brought back a lot of memories that were kind of you know put off to the side. I'd kind of be the best way of saying it because we don't want remember them or talk about them too much. But going through the class itself um, was very good training, and it kind of shows you different avenues to take. And it's very, uh, I guess, the best word would be. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to think now. It's very structured on how they want you to kind of talk to people or get some information from them so you know what kind of avenue to go with them. Um, so that was good. Learned a lot from there. And then um, actually, let's see, probably a month ago or two months ago, I did. Um, I helped two people at work back to back, actually. One was one day and the next day was another person. So um, the training's worth it. And I'd love to see more staff getting the, get the training just so we can have more of us out there for when these, these times for dark, these dark times for other people happen that we can be there for them. And we know the avenues to take. Yeah. And it's definitely, you know, it's, it's not, not an easy, easy task at all. And, you know, it, 
the the burden that gets placed on on the people that are having those conversations with with people that are going through dark times you know it definitely definitely puts puts some added pressure and you know stress on the on the person that's trying to help you know especially like like you had the the two people back to back and and it takes some time you know after those conversations to to decompress and kind of you know get yourself back back centered um you know, not, not only does, do they bring up the, the things that, that you've gone through in the past, but also, you know, kind of brings you down, not, not like, doesn't like bring, like make you depressed or anything, but, you know, gives you, gives you those feelings. And then you, you've got to do the things for yourself as well to make sure that you're staying healthy. Yeah. It's a very heavy subject, I guess would be the best way of putting it. And it's, it's not easy on either part, obviously. So one good thing, as I can say, is um, the HHO network that we have is is unbelievable. You know, once we, you know, kind of get on our little messenger and say, all right, this just happened, you know, everybody gets on there and starts talking, making sure you're okay. If you need anything, you know, let's talk. They'll call you on the phone. You know, make sure you're doing, doing just as well. Um, so that's an awesome, awesome part of this organization is we are very tight-knit when it comes to that. Yeah. And then, you know, for the, for the people that, that do, do need to reach out, I think one of the hardest things for, you know, anyone that is going through mental health crisis is not, not just military and law enforcement, but you know, the the population as a whole is, is that initial call or that initial message saying, Hey, I need some help. Um, Because there, there's a stigma around, you know, feeling weak or, People are going to think differently of you just because you you need some assistance. What what sort of advice do do either of you guys have that, that have gone through that training for for anyone that that might be feeling like they're in those dark times that that need need to reach reach a hand up to someone that, that just can't quite do it. Well, just going off the military side of things, even law enforcement, and I'd have to say even the fire service. Um, the suicide rates have climbed tremendously. Um, and then, of course, obviously in the civilian world, it's not been easy the last couple of years either. But military and law enforcement especially, they programmed us, you know, that pain is weakness leaving the body. It doesn't matter if it's mental or physical. So we just didn't talk about it. Um, the problem is, is, I mean, to get us through what we did in the military and through law enforcement, I say is, it's kind of fitting, but now when it comes to the whole mental side of it, um, we can't have that, that thought anymore because, um, you know, physically, if you have problems, you know, they can fix you for the most part, even if it's an aspirin to kind of take that pain away for the day. It's not that way when it comes to mental. So, um, with the mental abilities and everything like that, it it will still, it'll still eat on you. Uh, It just does not go away. So you have to just, as a person, you have to just stand up and say, you know what, I need to help, you know, because it's not going to get any better for you. Um, and then getting past that of kind of the embarrassment, I guess, or showing that you're weak because you were asking for help, um, is one thing. But once you start getting that help and you start to feel better about yourself, you know, you can look back and say, what was I thinking? Why did I wait so long? Uh, I was in that kind of that same boat for quite some time. Uh, from a lot of, I would say, 
you know, truthfully kind of some mental abuse growing up and everything. You know, I did not think highly of myself or anything along those lines. Um, so when it came time to me of kind of reaching out, I didn't know who to reach out to because I didn't want to be embarrassed and everything. And it was actually my wife that was, that was there for me more than anything. So, um, and then talking through her and then, uh, doing what I did, uh, you know, it was changed me big time and for the better. So all I can say is it doesn't matter if you're law enforcement, fire service, military, or even a civilian, get the help when you can. Um, you know, it's okay to be, be down, have those bad days, you know, to have the depressions, the work, but there's, there's ways out there and avenues to, to get rid of that. So. Absolutely. Uh, and Jeff, anything, anything that you wanted to add? Add to that? Well, what I'd say, um, I mean, talking about the assist training, that could be a, and has been a whole episode in itself. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was a very, very intense training, and and you know, less even, even less than I had some conversations, just the two of us, you know, during break times. So yeah, we we do have those of us that went through it have a pretty tight uh, group. Uh, and we are there for each other. So for advice for anybody that needs to, that, that feels like they might need to or want to reach out, um, you know, there's obviously any of us that are listed that have had the assist training. Um, but I would advise my personal thought or belief or experience is that if you need to reach out to somebody, start with somebody you trust. Unless that's probably uh, relevant with you. I mean, you trust your wife. That's who you talk to. But if you got, you know, you got your good buddy or your battle buddy or whoever, you know, you'd be surprised how much people aren't going to judge you. You know, mental health nowadays is much more prevalent and, and, and talked about and mainstream to where it's not looked down upon anymore. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling, talk to somebody. I, I think that's the I think that's the biggest thing is making sure that you don't you don't isolate yourself from from the people that are going to be there to support you. Um, you know, through um, probably when I, whenever I left Minnesota until you know probably probably even just like a few months ago um, before moving out here to Oregon, that was my biggest problem was you know be struggling, but then you know like like Les said, we're taught to taught to just kind of deal with it and move on. Um, and my my go-to was always the isolation piece and then just when i when i was was around people acting like everything was fine um but it, it takes those those people that that are close to you realizing like hey probably not everything's fine yeah that's that's a good point dan and you know that's that's what friends are for right yeah you and, you know, it, you surround it, it yourself be, with good people, and and it could be you know someone someone that you barely know too. You know, I think the the bonds that are built on doing the trips that that we do with people. You know, if someone just takes takes down a number and you know follows up with with someone every once a month and with a some with an easy text or a phone call, just saying, hey, you know, checking in, had a great time on the trip. Want to see how how you're doing still. And, and it's the same thing for, for people that you served with, you know, whether that's in the military or law enforcement, 
or, you know, at the, on the civilian side, you know, people that you went to high school, college, uh, old coworkers, um, just reaching out to someone and it could be, you know, a once a year thing, once every few months, but just asking the question of, Hey, how's everything going? And then, you know, out, outside of the, the assist stuff, um, is there kind of, kind of on the, on the same, same topic, uh, with, with you having experience in both, both military law enforcement and, and the firefighting, um, is there, is there any unique struggles between, between the three of those or, you know, would, would you say that they're, they're pretty similar? Uh, well, there's a lot of similarities. Um, you got the command structure that's, you know, at least with law enforcement and fire service, it's paramilitary for the most part, I guess, but you still have a command structure there. Um, you know, you see things that you don't ever want to see again, you know, you got that aspect of it. So the brothers and sisterhood, just like with any of the other services is, is tight because you have to work together and you have to rely on each other when, even when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, and then plus when you do good, you know, things out have an outcome like that, you know, you, you kind of celebrate together the works and then the way this, the way the schedules work, um, and the way that, you know, the, they interact without the world or within the world, I should say, you know, the fire service, the law enforcement, military, they are a very tight knit family. Um, gosh, dang it. I'm trying to think what I was trying to think. Sorry. I'm gonna make you edit. <laughs> no, no worries. But yeah, I think, you know, the being tight knit, a tight knit family between, you know, the, the three is, is definitely, definitely unique amongst, amongst the, the military, law enforcement, fire fire community, um, compared to other other jobs, you know, most. Les, I gotta ask. Yeah. Um, so you've been both law enforcement and fire. Correct. And everybody knows there's that unspoken or mostly sometimes spoken uh, competition between the two. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So is that kind of like we're going to pick on each other because we're brothers, but you better not pick on my brother type thing? Or is it a true competition and you got to beat the other? No, it's you're right there together with each other and everything. It's it's just got to razz each other is what it really is. I mean, you both got each other's back. You know, nothing's going to interfere with that. It's just you got to give each other crap. You really do. So it's kind of like the army, us army guys making fun of you guys for eating crayons. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, on the, the law law enforcement side, and then also the, the firefighter side, you know, I I think the, those, especially law enforcement, you know, and those two, you know, compared to military, um, especially these days, there's there's a lot more disdain for law enforcement. I, I've even seen, you know, I'm I'm in Portland. And I've seen people hate firefighters for some reason. Don't know why. Um, but is there any? Have have you seen any disdain or like the the public public di- dislike for for firefighters like like what we're seeing with law enforcement these days? 
you know, nowhere near as bad as what we're seeing for law enforcement. But uh, a lot of the stuff you might hear from about with the fire service was you you know you didn't get here quick enough. Um, you know, along those lines, you know, you know, how come you couldn't save this person when it comes to, you know, maybe we're doing CPR or working somebody like that kind of thing. Um, you hear that sometimes and stuff. And then, uh, and that's really, really kind of the only animosity there is that I yeah. can remember. And that'd be, I mean, you know, in, in my opinion, I feel like that'd be, that'd be a lot harder to deal with than just like, the general dislike of, of someone because they're, they're wearing a, a certain uniform. Um, you know, at, at that point when they, when they, people start talking about like, why didn't you get here sooner? If you could have got here sooner, you could have saved, saved this person's life or this child's life um, or stopped my house from burning down. Um, at, at that point, you know, I, I personally, I would, I would take that as like a, a personal, personal attack on like myself, not being able to do my job. As, as well as I, I could. And that yes. that's why the, the bad thing happened. Yeah. And then you always, one other thing that just kind of popped in my head, you always heard about, well, you guys just sit around waiting for a fire. Um, that's can't be any further from the truth. Um, you start out the shift that morning. We um, are daily chores and everything. Cleaning the apparatus, cleaning the firehouse, checking all your equipment, making sure it's ready to go. Then you might have some time to have a little bit of a breakfast together and then it's off to training. So whether you're doing a, some portion of a classroom that day or hands-on or even both, and then that's in between answering all the calls that you have. Um, so it can be, some days can be very long dealing with all the calls and, you know, there's days you never even get to sit down. So you kind of hear that every once in a while is all you guys do is sit around waiting for a fire. So that was kind of one of the other ones. Yeah, it's kind of a, you know, you're, you've always got some, something to be doing. Um, just, I mean, it's just like in the military where, you know, if when you come into work and there's nothing to do, like you better find something to do, whether it be out training, re- reading a manual, just something to keep your keep yourself busy. Yeah, definitely. We're always finding something to do. A lot of community service on top of that. Yeah. And then, you know, we're, we're getting close to close to our hour here. Um, but I definitely want to touch on trips. Is there any trips or anything that you, that you have in the works? Maybe, you know, not, not necessarily planned all the way through, but things that you're wanting to wanting to do to get, get those that we serve out. Yeah. Well, this coming Saturday, the 24th, I got a fundraiser going on at the sawmill in Virginia, Minnesota. Um, after that, in October, we're looking at, I'll probably do a Grand Marais trip, do a little grouse hunting, maybe see if I can talk to one of the guys and getting a duck hunt going on up there also. Um, I approached a Warrior Brewing Company here in Duluth, Minnesota, and we got a lot to work out between each other yet and stuff, but it looks like we may be making our own uh, little brand of HHO beer to be as able to a, make as another fundraiser as a, as a craft craft beer connoisseur, if you will, Tony, Tony brought that up a couple of days ago in our, our group chat and pretty, pretty excited. I think there's like three different options. I'm not going to, we, we won't share what those options are, but right. I was, I was excited about all three of the different options that, that he presented. 
I think yeah, it, we it's can definitely do all three. Be, definitely going to be a good experience. I know my 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 choice was I think it was like option option one and three, maybe or two and three. Um, but if we're doing all three, then sh- sign me up. No problem. I might have to make a trip over to Duluth for that. <laughs> well, on part of that, we'll need uh, we will need some staff when we do the bottling portion. So, so other than that, um, I'm kind of I was going to take a group over to the west side of the state uh, for some goose hunting, but uh, they still haven't even harvested the fields out that way, and they said the birds aren't really a flying that much. So. Well, it's kind of on hold and see how it turns out here in the next couple of weeks and see how it goes. And then we've got some ice fishing trips coming up that we're going to work on too. We'll be hitting up red quite a bit this winter. I think, uh, I, d- I don't think we've done it before. M- maybe we have, I-, I can't remember all the trips that we do, but one of the, one of the lake trout ice fishing, that'd be, yeah. that'd be a sol- solid trip. I know, I know it's kind of, kind of iffy on, you know, that, that happening just because the ice conditions up there aren't, aren't always the best for it, but I think that'd be a pretty exciting trip to see. Yeah. Myself and John David was going to work. We worked on one last for this year, I should say in February. Um, it would have been up in Grand Rays on, on, on Gunflint Lake itself, but the ice conditions, they got way too much snow too quickly and the ice just did not get developed. So that will be in the works for February again next year. So we'll do lake trout fishing up there. Even thought about running it if we can get enough interest as a like our own little uh, fishing tournament and everything too. Yeah, that'd be a good time. And then Jeff, is there is there any notable trips for the organization that are that are coming up in the next? Oh, I don't know. You you pick however long. Um, you know, I see all of them, so. <laughs> it's hard to keep them all straight. They're all notable, really. Um, how about how about you, unique? Unique? Is there any unique trips that like haven't happened yet? That, that are not that up? haven't happened, but just last this last weekend, uh, Texas did their gator hunt. So stay tuned. We should see some uh, posts and videos and whatnot from that. I, I think uh, we're I think we're going to be trying to get get the guides from that and maybe maybe a couple of the, the members that were on that that trip onto the podcast here okay. in, the, in the near future. Um, there is about a month away is going to be the Montana elk hunt, which I am going to go with and assist on. So I've been diligently training to do that. And been, been getting your, your steps in. I did four four miles with twenty five pounds on my pack today. So is it is it how's that on the on the body make make you feel old yet? I am uh, I'm not a young man anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It, it's going to be a great time. Sean out there is really pulling it together. Um, he was out. He messaged us earlier today. He was out doing some archery elk hunting and had a bull within twenty yards of him. Just couldn't get a shot. So. Montana is definitely definitely one of those states states of ours that that I'm looking forward to see see what what all they can they can put together out there. You know, I, I know Colorado I, I, just put in another one for an elk hunt. Um, they've got some duck hunts coming. Missouri keeps kicking out trip after trip. 
Wisconsin's been doing lots of stuff. Um, it's just our leadership and our staff member team, all of our teams have been doing a great job. So just if you're listening, keep it up. We couldn't do this without all you guys. Yeah. And then as we, as we get close to wrapping this up, um, lesser Jeff, um, you know, is, is there anything that, that you guys would, would say to someone that might be on the fence about getting out, out with, with us as, as hometown air outdoors, or even becoming a member on, on the Facebook group, if they, if they don't want to, don't want to go on a trip right away, but kind of, you know, just see, see what it's like. Um, and then once they, once they do see the interaction, maybe kind of hesitant about getting involved. I'd have to say is, you know, if you're even remotely interested or you want to learn more, more about the organization, you can do that through the website and Facebook, um, reach out. Our numbers are on the web on the web pages also, and we can talk to you about anything you want to know. And then, you know, get you on these trips, see how these trips go. If you like what you're seeing, which I'm pretty almost bet my life on it, you'd have a good time no matter what. Um, and then if you want to continue on like myself and, and try to become a staff member at some point or a volunteer, or, you know, even if you wanted to, we have a trip coming up and you wanted to ask about if, you know, you wanted to, to bring your ice castle or we wanted to bring your boat or something so you could help out, you know, we're all for it. So that's what makes this organization happen. So the more the merrier, we'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah. We can't, we can't do what, what we do without, you know, the, the guides, landowners, the businesses that, that help support us. Um, but, but even, even more than that are all of our field staff, you know, there's seven of us on the board. Um, eight, eight of us, sorry, Jeff, Jeff, correct me. Um, eight of us on the board and, you know, we're we're here to you know make sure that the the wheels are greased and then you guys are the 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 motor behind behind this this train and and it won't be going going nearly as far as as it does without without you guys. So the the work that you guys put in you know every day doesn't go unnoticed and we we appreciate everything that you that you do and the the rest of the field staff as well. Jeff, anything that you that you have to add before we we wrap this up? Not really. Um, just from a, a personal viewpoint standpoint, uh, Les, keep keep kicking butt, man. You're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. And we'll continue on. That's for sure. Yeah, and we appreciate you coming on, Les, and we look forward to seeing what what things you you bring to to minnesota or keep keep bringing to team minnesota and the the organization as a whole so keep keep it up it's you know only going to get better from here and hopefully some of the people that are listening are going to be able to get get out on a trip with you or interact with you in in some form or fashion so thanks for spending the last hour with us on here and telling your your story so that way everyone everyone knows who you are and, you know, kind of, kind of where you come from. All right. Well, thanks for having me. And this is just the beginning for us. Awesome. And until next time, we will see you guys out on the water and in the woods. Thank you for listening to the hometown hero outdoors podcast. 
For more information about Hometown Hero Outdoors, visit our webpage at www.hometownherooutdoors.org.